You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And welcome. You are Locked On to the NBA. My name is Nick Angstead. I'm the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. And joining me, I guess me joining him, as always, David Ramil from Locked On Heat. David, what you got for me? Well, it's just uh, it's been a fun day, uh, exciting uh, around the NBA. Although there's only been three games to really watch and keep track of, but other than that, it's been uh, an interesting time in the NBA as we're going through a number of changes and preparing for a playoff race that should be pretty exciting. It's an interesting day in the NBA. Uh, some news has come up via Woj. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the coronavirus and how that's going to affect the NBA and especially media. It's something we're definitely interested in. We have a you know a specific invested interest in, so we'll talk about that. We also want to get into, uh, I have five questions about the NBA, five big questions right now, and I'll just let everyone know off the bat, one of them is not going to be is LeBron the MVP now? I, I'm so done with that conversation. It's only been a couple of days, and I'm just so done with it. I don't know if you are, David. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I think, when the, the buzz started building about LeBron as a potential candidate for the MVP. And it's not to say that he doesn't have a case. He just doesn't have a strong enough case to usurp Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's clearly been the league's best player. And I happened to mention this last week after watching Miami beat the Milwaukee Bucks in and, and a game where Giannis was limited offensively and he couldn't do much at all. And the rest of the team responded in kind. He is such a, a factor for their success, which has been incredible. They've had such a, a great regular season. And without him, uh, they just aren't the same kind of team that's been dominating all season long. And so to me, that's such a strong factor in why he is the, the league's best player. Yes, yes. And there's been so many different takes and so many different reasons why LeBron should be. And if you're starting to use, you know, tragedy to make a case for LeBron, I just, I don't know. That's, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know if that's it. That's not it for me. So, all right. But on today's show, we are going to get into uh, the Bucks that you mentioned, Bucks in the East. Who is the best team to buck the Bucks in the East? And then uh, we'll talk about the Lakers a little bit. If they're the front runners for the title, we won't get into MVP, obviously, but talk about the Lakers and who maybe could take down them. Uh, the Rockets right now are in a weird kind of slump. We'll talk about them. And then we want to get into the eighth seed. Uh, we did a poll for Lockdown NBA and uh, asked everybody, all the hosts, who they would want in the eighth seed, who they'd want to see, and who they think is actually going to get the eighth seed in the West. That's kind of a little race that we want to look at. And then at the end, we'll talk about the coronavirus. So let's get into it, David. First question, who has the best chance to beat the Bucks in the East as of right now? Let's say the playoffs started today. Yeah, you know, well, I, I would assume that you're implying that Philadelphia wouldn't be healthy because they're, they're still without Ben Simmons, obviously, I mean, right? So, are they going to be healthy, though? I just These things are lingering. Ben Simmons, it seems like the injury is lingering. Um, I just... I don't know if they're going to be healthy by the time the playoffs start anyway. I mean, it, it is, you know, a month or so, two months away. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, a strong point there. And, and if that's the case, then I don't think Philadelphia has enough talent to usurp the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, I'd have to make a pretty strong case for the Miami Heat. I think they have the personnel right part of the reason why they made the midseason acquisition of Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder was to get a couple versatile wing defenders that could switch on to Adetokounmpo, make things difficult for him as he tries to get to the rim as easily as he does. And so they have a pretty strong case. You also have to look at the Toronto Raptors. While they're you know not necessarily struggling a little bit, uh, they have won three in a row, but they're, they've lost that losing the win streak that they had, and, and they haven't quite looked as sharp as of late. But they have the championship experience. And you look at Boston, obviously they make a pretty strong case too. I think those are the three best teams there if Philadelphia is not healthy. 
Uh, of those, maybe I'm seeing, uh, seeming a little biased, but I really do think that Miami has a pretty good chance of beating the Bucks in a seven-game series, not necessarily of, of representing the East in the finals, although it seems like that would be the likely path for them. But as far as a seven-game series is concerned, I think Miami has the personnel to actually make things difficult for Milwaukee. I mean, maybe they were counting on a little bit too much on guys like Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe and maybe even Brooke Lopez not hitting their outside shots. But if you can limit Antetokounmpo and take him out of the game as easily as they did, uh, and Bam Adebayo does a phenomenal job of being able to switch on at Antetokounmpo, and you look at that incredible defensive presence, they have a, make a pretty strong case, I, I think, as strong a case as anybody in the East. They're the only team to beat the Bucks twice, too, right? Like, Absolutely. you're not just saying that because you're the locked-on Heat host. Uh, yeah. They're the only team to beat them twice, and I think that matters. I think beating them in the regular season uh, matters a little bit, and I think that Bam is just the key to that. Watching those two games and seeing the way that Bam can sort of – you can't necessarily take Giannis out of a game, but you can limit him to the point that makes Eric Bledsoe have to step up a little bit, makes Middleton have to step up and make some big shots. And they've delivered a lot this season – but we've seen time and time again that those guys not be able to come up big in huge games. You know, against the Lakers recently, uh, they had another loss uh, recently that you just see that those two guys are just not able to to get you buckets when you really really need them. Uh, right. And that that's what matters. <laughs> you know, when you take in the playoffs, you can take away a couple things here and there, and then other guys have to step up. And that's why you know combinations like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are so important because you have the other guy to step up when you know Kawhi maybe gets taken out or even if he's li- limited. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Uh, you know, Adekumpo is so good at what he does, but if you take him out of the equation and all of a sudden you force everybody to kind of step up, and that was the problem last year as well, is that they didn't have those guys step up in the playoffs. And, and you know, one of the things that has bonded them together this year has been that kind of motivation of saying, you know what, we, we, we fell apart in the playoffs a little bit. That's why we're going to take this core that's been together for as long as it has, and we're going to regroup and be even better than before. And, and that's been the case during the regular season. And so you can always dismiss Miami's two wins, but there's a template there, I think one that works. And if Adetokounmpo's injury is kind of going to be lingering over the rest of the season, you wonder whether or not he'll be as effective as possible come the playoffs. You know, there's it's a long grind. He's going to go through some problems there. And you wonder if during a seven-game series, any team might be able to figure out a way to stop him in time. And, you know, Mike Budenholzer historically has not been able to make the kind of adjustments necessary for any head coach. And that's always been the knock on him is that he doesn't have – the kind of uh, flexibility as far as his rotations are concerned to make adjustments during a seven-game series. And Eric Spolster clearly does. I mean, he has the experience. He understands what it takes. There's mutual respect there as coaches, but I think Spo has the edge. I'd like Miami's chances against Milwaukee. And as of right now, they would face them in the second round, which would be wild to take take out Milwaukee in the second round. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a possibility, right? I mean... You know, we're, Miami hasn't looked as sharp. Uh, you know, obviously, they, they lost a game recently. And even before the Milwaukee loss, they struggled giving up big leads to Cleveland, Minnesota. Uh, they lost to Atlanta at, on the road. And, and that's the problem, too, is that Miami has been a very, very different road team than they are at home. But they did beat Milwaukee on the road earlier in the season. And that was without Jimmy Butler in the lineup. That was back before when they had Justice Winslow starting at the point guard position. So that's pretty impressive stuff overall. Yeah, a little bit different, um, you know, in the reg- in the regular season and then into the playoffs. And a lot of those sure. losses you just mentioned, I mean, Miami kind of plays down to their competition a little bit, <laughs> bit at that point. Yeah, not really taking yeah. them as seriously. Yeah, that that's true. I mean, their their defense is geared in such a way where they're going to give up a lot of shots, and so they're kind of banking on whether or not 
you'll miss a lot of those three-point opportunities. They do give up a lot of three-point attempts, not unlike what Milwaukee does too. So uh, that's just the nature of their defense without a clear rim protector. Um, I had Rob Mahoney of SI.com who recently wrote a piece about the, the Miami's defense, and he was on lockdown. He, he talked about why Miami's defense kind of takes a lot of risks and a lot of gambles, and sometimes they don't pay off. But when they do as brilliantly as they did against Milwaukee, then you kind of start to realize, wow, this team does have – if not necessarily title aspirations, at least a puncher's chance of being able to uh, upset a, a team like Milwaukee. They have that kind of ceiling for sure with Bam, Jimmy Butler being the shot maker, the shooters, the, and they do have shooters, by the way. I don't know if you saw that recently. <laughs> Some, what was it, Stephen A. Smith or somebody said that they didn't have any shooters? Um, uh, yeah, I, that's so ridiculous because that's been their whole offense. I mean, they've been counting on guys like Tyler Hero <laughs> and Duncan Robinson, who's record-setting as a three-point shooter. I mean, I don't, I don't know. If you're, if you're saying they don't have shooters, you, clearly you're not watching the yeah, game. <laughs> you're not watching that. All right, coming up, let's get into some more questions about the Lakers, about the Rockets, about the Western Conference. But before we do, David, if you've been a listener to this podcast, you know – uh, you've heard all the great advertisers that work with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that this show, Locked On NBA, as well as our individual shows, Locked On Mavericks and Locked On Heat, it's a great way for you and your local business to reach passionate sports fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives you a local company that has the it gives you the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And it's not just any listener, it's the Locked On listener. You're with us every single day. Some of you, we drive to work with you every single day. You know that uh, listeners to this podcast are uh, loyal and they're with us and they believe what we have to say. Uh, you're reaching a predominantly male audience that's well-educated, disposable income. It lets your company get right there in Locked On. Uh, local fans love to support local businesses, so text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get your team uh, ready to be locked on and get locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcasts.com slash advertising. All right, David, let's get into... Um, the Lakers right now, it seems like the Lakers are riding high. I mean, they've been the favorite in Vegas, I think all season because of the nature of the Lakers beast. Everybody you know, <laughs> likes to, uh, put money on the Lakers. They have a massive, huge, loud vocal fan base. Uh, so people are always putting money on them. So they get a little bit of an uptick in that regard because everybody likes to vote. They get, you know, people betting on them even when they're terrible <laughs> to win the title. But right now it seems like people like Doris Burke and real people are saying that they are the the favorites to win the title. First of all, would you agree with that? Um, no, I do not. I, I've had the Clippers as the favorite to win the title, even over Milwaukee, because I did not predict that Milwaukee would be as successful as they have been this year. And I thought that the, the pairing of Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, along with that supporting cast, was going to be good enough to actually beat the Lakers in the Western Conference. I agree. Um, personally, I, I grew up as a Lakers fan. I was born in Los Angeles. I'm a diehard Lakers fan, um, and I'm very scared of the Clippers. <laughs> That is a team that I just I would not want to face, especially if I was the Lakers seven times or however many times it would take. Uh, Paul George kind of went off in that game the other day. We didn't see anything from Lou Williams, and I was just waiting and waiting that whole game for Kawhi Leonard to have one of his patented runs where he just makes three, four, five, one of those mid-range jumpers where he just gets to a spot and rises up and hits a shot, and he just didn't have it the other day. And if he can get to that point and if he can uh, you know, come up big like that, if we can get a little more from Lou Williams – the Clippers are so hard to beat because they just get shot so much easier than the Lakers do. Yeah, I, and I don't know if I necessarily trust the rest of the supporting cast around Los Angeles, the Lakers, that is, as, as much as I do the Clippers cast. I, I think 
obviously, Rajon Rondo has been a somewhat problematic. Even Lakers fans are pulling their hair out every time he gets any kind of significant playing time. He's looked bad. Maybe the addition of Deion Waiters can change that a little bit, although I don't, I'm not sure exactly what kind <laughs> of a role he'll play. But, you know, I, I love what LeBron's doing at 35. I think that's been the most impressive thing and why he's generating the kind of buzz he is as an MVP candidate. I still have legitimate concerns about Anthony Davis, though. I just He's never been really tested in a playoff setting before. He's had so little playoff experience. You wonder how he's going to be able to find the kind of, I don't know, find whatever it takes in order to come up in those kind of difficult situations. And that's always been the factor. I mean, it's, if you're a great regular season player, that's one thing. But we've seen time and time again, players can thrive in the regular season and then kind of fall short in the postseason. And I wonder whether or not Davis is going to have those kind of opportunities playing alongside LeBron. Now, for LeBron, though, I think that's the X factor. I mean, maybe that's not, uh, you know, that's pretty obvious. But the reality is that you're seeing him push this team further and, and harder than ever before because – I think this represents his last chance at a legitimate title chase. I think this team is going to be good for a while, but I don't know that he's going to continue to be as good next season and beyond as he continues to age. He's already defying his age. I understand that. But this team, this version of this team might be his best opportunity. And you wonder whether or not he's just going to find even another level during the postseason where he's going to carry this team single-handedly and be able to knock off the Clippers and any other challengers. At this point, far be it from me to doubt LeBron at his age. I mean, we, we just haven't seen – I mean, this is another Tom Brady thing where we just haven't seen this before. So I don't even want to try to project like, okay, maybe he's going to fall off and this is his best chance. He won't have it again next year, right? Like, we just haven't seen this before. I think David yeah. Locke tweeted out all the you know guys in their 17th year. Uh, I was yeah. like, you know, Carl Malone and Kareem and Kobe, and look at their production. It's just so much different than what LeBron's doing right now. And LeBron's still a whatever you you know think of of LeBron. He's still a top three, top one, top two player in the NBA right now. It's just right wild there. to see what he's doing. And the, your point about Anthony Davis is good. Um, LeBron has been really trying to empower him all year, whether that's with words or with uh, you know his play on the court and trying to put him in the best you know position to succeed even after the game against the Clippers the other day they were doing the interview and AD comes up during the you know the post-game interview and kind of like runs into him kind of playfully and LeBron goes this is a superstar right here like this is the real superstar and he's he's trying to empower AD to be that guy and wasn't at the beginning of the season you know preseason he said that Anthony Davis is going to be the MVP like I'm going to make Anthony Davis the MVP and he's been trying to do that so much he knows that he's the key to to get them through you know uh you know a couple playoff rounds like that yeah, no doubt. And I think that's a great point. And, and LeBron is, you know, as experienced a player and what it takes to get to the finals and to actually win a title. I mean, he's been there uh, what, 10 times now. I, I oh, mean, my gosh. I can't, can't even yeah. think. <laughs> he has, you know, he has the experience. He knows what it takes to kind of motivate players like that. He, he's he's a divisive figure. You know, a lot of people kind of struggle with, with accepting uh, playing alongside a guy like LeBron because he does command how your team plays so completely. But if you buy in, if you accept it, and, and if you kind of fall in line, you'll you'll get your game to another level there. And, and it's it's been interesting to see him kind of trying to pump up Anthony Davis, understanding that they're not going to go that far unless he's able to step up in the playoffs. Another case for the Lakers, uh, and there's kind of a top three teams, and I think a couple other teams maybe could get in the mix, but it's the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Lakers, right? Like those are the top three teams we think are going to end up you know, around the finals or close to the finals. The Lakers have more players on their team with finals experience 
than any of the other ones. I mean, LeBron, obviously, we just mentioned, he has more than all the other teams <laughs> combined pretty much. Uh, yeah. But even like JaVale McGee, he's been to the finals. Danny Green, obviously been to the finals, played really well in the finals. Avery Bradley has been to the finals. Rondo has been to the finals. Dwight Howard has been to the finals. Quinn Cook even has, has been to the finals. I mean, that's a bunch of players that have been there and you know can help guys in, in the preparation up to up until you know playoff games that it can you know tell guys this is what it's going to be like this is the you know the pressure you're going to feel this is how you prepare and all those things i think that's another thing that we kind of uh, don't talk about enough with the lakers they actually have guys and on, on the clippers side kind of got Kawhi leonard and that's it i mean who else has had actual real finals like nobody else i don't think and then with milwaukee i think george hill corver maybe and that's it yeah, yeah, no, I mean that's that, that is pretty much it. That's interesting. I, I hadn't really considered that because I mean, even over the course of this conversation, we both started off saying the Clippers had a good chance of upsetting upsetting the, the Lakers, and now hearing about the strong case, <laughs> now I'm not so sure anymore. And I, I mean, look, I, it, it's I think the, the Clippers' depth is still greater than the Lakers, even as Agreed. much experience as they have on that roster. So I still give the Clippers a slight edge, but either way, I I think it'll be a historically fun series to watch between those two teams. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I, I'm still you know scared of the Clippers for the Lakers, uh, scared of their depth, scared of their top two guys to going off uh, in a game where the Lakers won. Um, Avery Bradley scored 24 points and uh, Lou Williams scored seven. I don't know if that's going to happen every every single time you know they play. Um, all right. Any other team do you think could knock off the Lakers? I mean, is it just the Clippers? Or could you see the Rockets, the Nuggets, the Jazz? Like, can any of these teams get close to the Lakers at this point? Not Definitely not the Rockets. I, I am not a believer in their small ball system, despite the success they had over the month of February. Uh, I think their recent slump is kind of indicative more about where this team probably will wind up, even in the playoffs. I like the Nuggets' chances. I mean, their home court advantage is certainly a, a clear factor in their favor. And you wonder whether or not Nikola Jokic, you know, he he was such a huge question mark, at least for me personally, last year because he never really tasted the playoffs before. And then to see him kind of just emerge as a clear-cut dominant superstar last year during the playoffs, uh, I think was such a huge point for me. And and I think that's another factor to consider. I like their chances, but I don't. I just don't think that there's enough there on that roster to upset either the Clippers or the Lakers. So uh, I, I don't see them as a legitimate title contender this year. They're a very, very good team, but I don't think they're good enough to win a title. Yeah, I think all three of those teams sort of play into the Lakers' hands as far as, you know, the Lakers have been a really good t- good defensive team this year. And they yeah. have all these, you know, wing guys, or not wing guys, guard guys that they can throw at, you know, the uh, Donovan Mitchells, the, the Russell Westbrooks, the Jamal Murrays. They have Avery Bradley. They have, you know, Caruso they can throw off the bench. They have Danny Green. They have a bunch of these guys that they can just start throwing at. KCP even, a guy that... Uh, can defend some guards and, and then they also obviously have Anthony Davis that can guard the Jokic's the go bears you know guys like that and I think they are able to take advantage in that way more so than against the Clippers where you know you're nervous about what they're gonna how they're gonna defend Paul George and Kawhi Leonard um, it's, I don't I don't see any of those other teams but let's move on to the the Rockets this is my third big question and you kind of answered it but are the Rockets getting exposed right now or is it just a slump yeah, to me, it's uh, more of an exposed kind of thing. I think look, they've been so dependent on Russell Westbrook being, well, arguably as good as he's ever been over the course of his career. And he was actually very, very, very good. I mean, the knock on Westbrook has always been that he's very inefficient and everything else. Still true earlier in the season. But last month, he kind of made a huge transition where he was more effective than ever. I think he was a great legitimate mid-range shooter, still explosive in getting to the rim, looked as dominant as he ever has. 
the problem is, and, and it always will be, uh, James Harden. His shooting has been so woeful. Uh, I think not only are they going to have problems getting to the rim because obviously they don't have a clear big man there, um, but still with, with, with Harden minimized there, he's not going to have a big so he can find at the rim. He doesn't have a clear playmaking option that he can just toss lobs to, so he's more ineffective as a passer, and his shooting has just been so terrible of late like if you're depending on him to consistently get to the line and we've seen in the playoffs that that's not necessarily a strong possibility for for james i just don't see any chance of him being a a huge factor and being able to push the rockets past any of these other teams in the western conference i mean they're to me they're closer to the bottom four than they are to the top four and i think that's that's the the reason why they made that gamble was because they pushed their ceiling maybe a little bit higher and they can challenge for a title, but I, I see them actually being the exact opposite. I think they're they're worse off now than they were before the trade to, to move Chris Capella for Robert Covington. Well, and the way that Chris Paul has played with the Thunder has exasperated that to the nth degree. I mean, he is just playing so well. He's the best clutch player in the NBA right now, uh, up there with LeBron and Jokic and all those guys. Uh, it's amazing to see you know how he transforms that team in in crunch time. I'm doing a bunch of numbers for the Mavs who have been terrible in the clutch right now, and uh, the team that gets be- their offensive rating gets better from you know in general overall to into the clutch is the Thunder. I think their offensive rating goes up 15 points per 100 possessions going into crunch time, and that's just wild. So to see that, uh, there might be some regret there <laughs> from the Rockets. Yeah. I think I this is it. I think this is kind of a slump for the Rockets. It's just four games. Uh, a couple of them, you know, the Knicks, the Hornets, the Magic. Those are kind of teams that, again, like like the Heat, you just kind of play down to a little bit. I don't think the Rockets are taking them that seriously. Uh, it's teams like that that are a little try hard. They're you know I call them sweaties. They can uh, you know they can out hustle you a little bit, and the Rockets can get out hustled if they're not trying because. Their whole thing now is you have to try super hard. They're taking on Russell Westbrook's mentality of, you know, try every play, have to go after every rebound because they have to. They don't have a guy that can just stand up, like you said, and, you know, grab a board. So I think it's a slump. I still don't think that, you know, even with Clint Capella, like they weren't going to be a team I would pick to go pretty far, you know, in the, in the, you know, Western Conference. I think the, the, both the LA teams are better than them. I think Denver and Utah are right on, you know, um, they're right up there with them, and I think Dallas is even going to threaten them, you know, to a degree. Do you think you think Houston's kind of saving themselves for the postseason, knowing that fatigue may or may not have been a factor, or at least heavy reliance on James Harden has been a factor, and so they're kind of, as you mentioned, kind of playing it down a little bit, not necessarily sweating the the regular season as much, knowing that they can become fully engaged and still be somewhat dangerous in the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think that they'll go on a, a run probably a little bit throughout the rest of the season. Um, you know, at some point they'll go on one. But yeah, they, they have to be saving themselves. This is a team that James Harden just went just went one on one. You know, a beef with Giannis in the media, just saying how he's not skilled. I mean, this is a team that thinks a lot of themselves, right? And so I think yeah. that uh, I think that they they believe that they can get there. They believe that they're still the team that got real close to beating that Warriors team. Uh, and that they can get back to that level at any point. Yeah, I mean, they're still only three games shy of, of home court advantage, too. So, I mean, they could potentially push for a fourth seed if that's the case. I mean, they've been pretty good at home. Uh, let me see, they're 21-10 and 10 at home. So, clearly, that's a strong factor in their favor. If they could become a fourth seed there, I like their chance of maybe a little bit more. But I don't know. I, I, I watch that team, and maybe it's just my own personal taste. I'm just not a big fan of their system and the way they pull it off. They have these moments where they have these incredible electric stretches where 
Westbrook is athletic and explosive, and then James Harden has a couple huge shots. But I'm just I have not been a believer in their system. I've not been a believer in James Harden, uh, and I just don't. I haven't seen enough over the course of this season to change that attitude. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of with you. I think it's a slump, but I I don't I don't really care for them as well. Uh, maybe my bias with Locked On Mavericks has, has, has tainted me to that point. But all right, coming up, we're going to talk about the eight seed in the West a little bit, and then we also want to get into a little bit of the coronavirus talk and how it's going to affect you know the NBA media access and all that coming up. All right, David, my fourth big question for you. This is a question that I polled everybody. Uh, the results will be on social media for Locked On NBA. If you're not right now, go follow Locked On NBA Net on Instagram. I post there every single day. Um, and I'm running those accounts now. You can go follow on Twitter as well, Locked On NBA Net. It's the feed of feeds. You get every single tweet from every single Locked On NBA host, some really good stuff every day. And then on Facebook as well, go follow us, Locked On NBA Podcast, Locked On NBA Net. I appreciate that a lot. But my big question, who will be the eighth seed in the Western Conference as of right now? At this point, and I know they have a four-game disadvantage, I like the New Orleans Pelicans' chances. I think they have a pretty easy schedule I think they've been playing so much better since Zion Williamson was incorporated into their lineup. I know a lot of conspiracy theorists think that the, the <laughs> league is pushing for Zion to be in the playoffs, uh, but I just think he's been so good and the team has just been so much better. They, they actually knocked off the heat just last Friday, uh, and, and I think they've been playing so much better as a, as a result of his, his incredible play, and they have such an easy schedule. They've they're been able to knock off teams below 500. Uh, they keep pushing for uh, an eighth seed, and I like their chances. And conversely, I think, you know, while the Memphis Grizzlies have the eighth seed right now, they have that four-game advantage, they have a tougher schedule, much, I think, the toughest of all the other challenges there in the field. So I, I like the Pelicans actually switching places with the Memphis Grizzlies and, and locking in that eighth seed by the end of the regular season. Yeah, at some point, I feel like they're, it's gonna, the gap has to start closing, right? It's four games right now. Uh, there's a bunch of time left. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies have 18 games left. The Pelicans also have 18 games left. But uh, Tankathon.com has you know the strength of schedule, and uh, they have the teams ranked as far as strength of schedule left. Memphis is number two with the hardest strength of you know, schedule left. They have uh, to play Milwaukee. They have to play the Raptors twice, the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Jazz. And then their easier opponents are the Pelicans twice <laughs> and the Blazers twice. Those are their easier opponents, and those are teams that are going to be right in there in the race. The Pelicans have the 30th hardest schedule, so the easiest schedule going out. Um, two of their harder opponents are the Grizzlies. So just looking at that dichotomy of you know, what's easier and what's considered harder for those two teams, uh, eventually a run will, will happen from New Orleans, but New Orleans has not been that good in crunch time games and clutch games, um, and that's what they're really going to have to pick up, and that's what they're really going to have to figure out. And It's really Zion learning on the fly. I mean, he just, you feel like he just got put back into the NBA and all of a sudden they're like, all right, you have to be awesome in crunch time now. You have to carry us in crunch time sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, is is JJ Redick due back? I'm not sure what his timeline's been. I haven't checked that lately, but I mean, I imagine he'd be a huge factor for the Pelicans as far as him being able to be a little bit stronger in those late game situations there. I mean, as far as Memphis is concerned, you see their inexperienced. The general lack of you know playoff experience and, and the fact that you're, you're relying on a rookie to carry the team it's just all those things kind of wash together and for me anyway I'm just a little bit more pessimistic about their ability to to continue to to make this push I mean they, they're they're playing with house money I don't think anybody saw this team and I think everybody actually thought that they would be one of the worst teams in the league not even close to competing for a playoff spot so they've they've surpassed all expectations to me 
they already see this season as such a huge success, I can't imagine why they would continue to just hold on and be able to to, to lock in an eighth seed. I just I don't see it to be honest with you. Yeah, Memphis has far and away exceeded all of our expectations for sure. Uh, the other question that I posted for everybody was, who do you want to see in the eighth spot? For me, <laughs> I, I think it's the Pelicans again. I mean, the Lakers, Pelicans, there's so many storylines there. There's Zion, LeBron. There's, you know, all the young Lakers that are coming back to play against, you know, the Lakers. And that's there's just too many storylines there to pass up. Yeah, the the Brandon Ingram revenge tour. I mean, that's, yeah. uh, that, that would be pretty funny. I, yeah, I, I think the Zion, Williams, and LeBron, the future in the past, uh, I, I think uh, – that would be a very exciting series. So that's pretty clearly what I mean. No knock to Grizzlies fans; they've been a great franchise for a number of years here, and uh, they deserve whatever they a success they've gotten this season. I just I think the the Pelicans would be a more exciting matchup for your casual fan. The wild card there is is uh, Lavar Ball. If we can get Lavar Ball back for you know no for playoff no thank for you. playoff basketball, <laughs> there's there's at least something there that's going to happen. So <laughs> anything can happen at that point. All right, let's finish up with this um, reporting from. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski, Brian Windhorst today, quote, the NBA is planning to limit locker room access to only players and essential team personnel in wake of coronavirus. Teams are also instructed to create six to eight foot distance between players and media in availability sessions outside of locker rooms. So bring your boom mics with you. Uh, that last part I added. Uh, David, why is locker room access important and how is this going to affect how you cover, how I cover, how everybody covers the NBA now? Well, I think you're going to get a lot less information, a lot more, less personal information that you can get from reaching out to these players and meeting with them. And look, you see locker rooms, you see players at their rawest, whether after a win, when they're, you know, you see great chemistry and everybody's so excited, or even after a loss, where you can tell the guys that are taking it most difficult, um, and whether they, they actually feel like they've, you know, they had a bad game or things of that sort. They, they are so open and honest in those moments after a game, especially after they, a, a loss that not having that access to me just it's going to be so difficult trying to get those stories because that's where you really see the bare bones of what a team can be and to me you know you're going to have them trot out into a podium or maybe even a large scrum and you know you you try to jockey for position you can't ask the right question you get some reporter that doesn't have much experience and he's going to ask a stupid question and and, you know it's scrums are not ideal for getting that kind of information whereas in in a locker room situation you can get a guy that's getting dressed and on his way out of the locker room and you might be able to sidle up to him and get a real good in-depth conversation on a personal level about a win a loss about their individual progress about what they see of the team and that makes for some great stories not just great reporting but you can actually craft that into a really good story makes for great content on our podcast and, and i think that's a huge thing then conversely now without that kind of access you're just going to get really formulaic answers i think they're going to be really just standard answers that they're going to give try to get away from the, the media scrum they don't want to be part of this by and large they you know they just had this incredible experiences they have this adrenaline pouring through them they most of the time they don't want to be sitting down there answering your questions in a scrum or in a, in a podium or anything like that and i think you know afterwards it's going to just it's going to be difficult just to, to try and envision getting these kind of stories and getting the players to open up and things like that sort sometimes you just you catch them in a good moment in a locker room and that changes a, a story completely and you really get to understand the players on a personal level the team on a, de- a deeper level and without that kind of access i'm kind of worried about being able to access and have the the, the kind of information to craft those stories yeah a single game maybe won't yield the results of you know okay well why is 
you know, locker room access important. Like maybe a single game wouldn't tell you why that's important. But if you're going 41 games, if you're if you're a beat writer, you're there literally every single game. That's eventually you're going to build up, you know, a relationship with a player, you know, to the point where you can get those stories that you're mentioning. And so uh, it's not necessarily about one specific game and people say, wow, those those media scrums never yield any good results. It's all about the work and kind of, you know, building that. And it's just so much work to go into, you know, one source or one, you know, story with a player. And so I, I completely understand your point there. David, what do you think about the people that say, um, you know, a la like Senator Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine, that once it goes to this level, that there's this distance or that all of a sudden the players don't have to answer questions or allow media into the locker room, that once it gets to this point, they'll never relinquish that back again. Like they'll never give that access back again. What do you think about people that are are worried about that? I I think it's a legitimate concern. Like I said, I think, you know, players are mandated to be available either pre or post game. That's, That's standard NBA policy. And they don't always adhere to it. I mean, again, they 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 have learned how to navigate the, the 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 confines of a locker room pretty easily, where they don't make eye contact. They get dressed before you're available to the locker room and things of this sort. So they they try to escape, you know, coming to the media. Again, I understand why. I mean, a lot of the time they don't want to talk after an incredible uh, you know athletic experience like that. So I get it. Uh, I, I have some concerns about it. I, I just I don't think that they'll be able to go back to that completely. I, I don't think that they'll just say from now on we'll never have locker room access. I just think it'll be I, I think it is going to be reduced though. I think they're going to try and cut down. And this is something that the the players or uh, associations have been making a point for a long time that you get a lot of guys just kind of standing around in the locker room. A lot of reporters are standing there and not necessarily asking questions or getting stories. And so you wonder why do they have access in the first place? So there's always been some blowback from players. Uh, about to re- reduce, you know, media there. And, and look, I understand it's an invasive process. You have guys getting out of the shower, trying to get dressed, and all of a sudden you have, you know, six microphones stuck in their faces. That's not exactly a comfortable experience for any human being. At least I don't think so. So I understand why there are concerns there. But like I mentioned before, I think that once they are in a comfortable setting and they're willing to talk, you can get some really good stories there. So I, I lament that that's going to be lost to some degree over the next few months. Yeah, if they want to do it the other way, they can do what I've seen in the WNBA where after a game, they sit in their chairs in the locker room and they'll just sit in a circle and wait for all the media to ask all their questions and then they'll go take a shower. So if you guys want to spend time doing that first, then, then we can talk. But if you want to get it all done at the same time, that's when you get uh, where it feels a little invasive for the players. But it's kind of that's the decision that they made. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I could see that, but it's going to be so much slower too if you're going to trot out every player because not every you know not they're going to be bringing out the stars of each game you know and i can imagine like you have a a 12th man or 11th man on the roster maybe somebody who's kind of competing for playing time and they're not going to be available to the media or, or is, i'm not sure how it works at the wnba level but do they bring out the whole roster it, at the same time it was just all the like literally the team leaves the court at least what i saw with the dallas wings is the the team leaves the floor they go sit in their chairs in the locker room all at once so they're just all sitting there in a circle so when you do like a scrum if you're going around like skylar diggins we would st- stand around with our microphones and all the players are just listening to our conversations listening to our um your questions and some of them say well that's a dumb question <laughs> on the side yeah. but uh they just all do it at the same time so, but without that kind of access, or are they going to be doing this like in a in a larger area there, where you're six to eight feet away from the players? You can't even sit at their locker room anymore. You can't even approach them as they're in the locker room. So, I guess they're going to have to find some kind of room setting where they could have all these players available at the same time, so that you could eventually go up to them. And then, I mean, I can just imagine guys in the NBA—they're not going to feel very happy about having to sit there no. while you know 
you know, in my own personal experience, while Jimmy Butler goes on for 10 minutes because <laughs> after a loss or something like that, and you, right. you're going to want to go hop in the shower and you're going to be like, oh, come on, wrap it up, Jimmy. I'm kind of <laughs> in a hurry here. You know, I've got a date tonight or something like that. You know, you don't want to be stuck there waiting for these answers to go out. And I mean, that's just the reality. It's, it's, it's not a perfect system. I'm not sure that there is a solution. I understand why they have concerns for the player's health. But I'm also uh, a little disappointed to see that we're going to get to this point and, and that, again, we're going to lose a lot of the access that we've come to get used to. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. That's David and I got for you today. Guys, we appreciate you listening. Again, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, all those kind of platforms. And you can listen to Locked On Mavericks podcast anywhere you get your pods as well as the Locked On Heat podcast. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Peace out. Boom.